right? So Dawn asked why I set the room up this way. And I told her because I got like 15 texts from people today who were saying, I can't make it tonight. We're, we're going here. We're doing this. We're, we're gone. We're blah, blah, blah. So I was like, oh, well, then I'm not going to tear down as much of the room and I'm not going to set up as many tables. And I decided like I would like condense the talk a little bit because we're going to try and, you know, do two weeks again in a row that are essentially about the same talk but just kind of different perspectives or maybe a little bit more stacked on top of one another. I always like it when we do two weeks in a row and they can kind of hold hands and it's kind of nice. And you kind of feel like you learn a little bit more. All the students I ever spoke to in all the time of working with students though, they were always like, Phil, you mainly only talk about one thing anyway. And you just kind of say it different ways. And that's not entirely false, I don't think. I don't think it is. Cause like I talk about you know, some common themes that I feel like we all kind of share, we all kind of tap into, we all kind of feel. So with that said, I want to say one announcement. We've got a thing in the back. You can sign up for, I think it's like Labor Day, duck sorting. You know the duck race, right? Huge thing here, huge thing. Um, I'm actually doing a few weddings that weekend, and I told the the brides and grooms about it. And I was like, well, it's gonna be a little busy, but it seems like it's always busy in Breckenridge every day now anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Every weekend at least, right? You never know what's going on. Is it gonna be the Spartan race? I don't know, beer festival. But um, you can sign up to do some duck sorting, and if you sign up to do some duck sorting, they'll donate money to More Life. Cool, so if you've got some time free, there's some slots back there, you can let us know. It's a three hour chunk, you can either do nine, 10, or 11 a.m. For every five people that come, they'll donate $500 to more life. So, wow. Wow. Like, we have five people in our family. Oh, but Phil can't come. So. I've got weddings. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll make my kids work. And when they say duck sorting, I've got to be honest. I mean, someone was asking, what does that look like? I have absolutely no clue. Right? I, I too, I've, we've lived, we're coming up on 17, 18 years. 17 years here in Breck. Living here in Breck. And I have never once gone to the duck race. Me either. No, and I'm 36. Yeah, you like grew up here. Why is it on Labor Day? Yeah. That's yep, yep, yep. Yep. It's weird. I choose to do something else with Labor Day. Mean parents? Mean parents. Because they could win big prizes or just see a bunch of ducks float down the river. Tell me they give an award for. We don't know what we're missing. We've never been. But have you seen how low the river is? Yeah. The ducks are going to have a hard time. People are going to have to be out there like pushing the ducks this year. It's going to be rough. Oh, they released a bunch of water today. Yeah. Oh, did they? They raised the water level a couple inches today. Did they? So the ducks are safe. Okay. All right. What we won't do for the duck race. Tell me they give an award for the last ducks. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I was thinking about that the other day, and I'm like, I know they give all kinds of prizes, but like, they should definitely give a prize for the duck that doesn't make it and gets stuck somewhere and is like the last, last duck. I feel like that should be, that should be just as big of a prize as the first, right? Because it's just as hard with that many ducks. Anyway. We had first prize and last prize, too. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. It's yeah, the hardest. The Rusty Piston Award. <laughs> the Rusty Piston Award. Oh. So anyway, if you want to sign up for a three-hour slot, sort some ducks, help more to life, do it, do it, do it. Um, last time we were together, we actually talked about uh, permission, granting yourself permission. One of the hard things to do in life is when you don't have anyone to kind of go to and ask permission about certain things, there are times in life when you kind of get stuck in a rut and getting out of that rut means you have to give yourself permission to do something that's probably uncomfortable, probably new, um, different territory than you've ever been in. And I gave some personal examples and then I created some like big overarching ones that I felt like all of us could kind of tap into and feel and resonate with. But. Could you just touch that? Well, one of them was permission to be content. Um, you should be able to grant yourself permission to be content. And I talked really lightly on that one because I knew that we were going to go into this next little two session topic, which I'm calling sexy carrot. And you guys, I mean, 
I first saw it growing up watching like Bugs Bunny cartoons and different things like that. But the whole idea of there being this long stick and attached to the end of the stick was a string. And at the end of that string was a carrot, right? And it was like people would lure Bugs Bunny out doing this kind of a thing, like out of his hole. And like he would create this. And I also saw like people sitting on donkeys. And it was like, and it would get the donkey to move forward. I also have this, I don't know if this is just movie myth, like in me, but I envision like a donkey being in a circle, pulling like something that crushes stuff, and they would stick something on the donkey and it would make the donkey walk in a circle. And the donkey would crush things with what it was pulling behind it. No? Yes? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I haven't tapped into history. I didn't Google carrot on the end of a stick, you know, and get a picture. Maybe I'll do that next week. And, we'll, and maybe I'll dive into the history of it a little bit and actually see how this whole thing started and where it surprised. came from. That, is it a, really surprised. Is it, do you think it's a myth? No, I think you'll find some interesting things. Okay. I think it's a, something that's probably existed for a long time. All right, so I'll do that next time. We'll start with that next time. But sexy carrot. Animals and carrots and have a race. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of sad. It does bring up the whole idea of the greyhounds, though, right? The greyhounds racing on the track after the mechanical bunny that they shoot out. Um, I'll bring in a clip next week. It's called Presto. I don't know if you've seen it because Pixar used to kick out these little digital shorts before movies, and my boys are were suckers for animated movies. And before one of them, there was this short called Presto, and it was all about a magician who literally had a rabbit in a hat, and he would promise to reward the rabbit with a carrot as long as the rabbit did whatever it was supposed to do during the whole magic show, right? And it's this little digital short, it's pretty funny. Maybe I'll bring that next week too. But the whole carrot on the end of the stick idea, the whole thing that like there has to be some kind of motivation, maybe there's some kind of hunger, maybe there's something that like actually pulls us forward. But the whole idea behind the carrot on the end of the stick is you never quite you never get, get it. it. You never arrive, you never experience the reward or the fulfillment of that hunger, like it never really comes. So you never arrive. It just keeps you on the chase. It's kind of one of those perpetual letdown kind of things, you know? Like, and I felt like growing up, timeline-wise, there's a bunch of stages in life that kind of feel that way. <laughs> because I don't know if it's like people build them up bigger than they are. Maybe that was me. Maybe I built them up bigger than they were. But it was like, you know, going to middle school. You know, you think it's gonna be so much better. And middle school is probably the roughest period of life anyway. So it's not so much better. But then, you know, you look forward to other things. High school, and then it's the driver's license, and then it's 18, and then it's 21, and it's college, and, and then it's a job. And these, these carrots on the end of the stick, you keep thinking, it's gonna be so much more awesome, it's gonna be so much better. And believe it or not, sometimes those different things, stages, or stuff in life kind of masquerade themselves as being the thing that you really want, the thing that you really desire. The thing that you really want, the thing that you really desire. And here in the Western culture, of course, with consumerism, like a lot of stuff tends to be like, hey, we can fit that niche for you. And you don't even have to like work hard at it. All you have to do is spend some money, right? And that will be filled for you. Now, me personally, I'm gonna throw this out here tonight that I think just as being a human being, part of being a part of this family of human beings, a lot of us, that you really do have a desire and a need that are like inside of you. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a need from within. And I'm gonna go so far as to say it's for connection and belonging. And it's there and it's hardwired into us and we feel it a lot. 
And the real question is, as we live our lives, we get like really bombarded by a lot of things telling us that they're that, when in actuality, they're just a carrot on the end of a stick. That's all they are. And they'll keep- Connection and belonging. Connection and belonging. Are just carrots. No, connection and belonging are like the need. That's the desire. All the other stuff though that comes along, those are the carrots. Those are the carrots. Those are the things that say like, hey, well, here's kind of what I would say they do. They kind of propose themselves as the architect or the answer to meet that need and desire in your life. Technology is a huge one. Ken. So you mean it's like the, the, the hair shampoo commercial. Where <laughs> if you get just exactly the right shampoo, then your neighbors won't be snarky anymore, and they'll all look up to you, and you'll have all these friends. Yep, totally, okay. totally. And sometimes what's interesting is we all kind of feel that need and desire, and you might even start out like going after it in some really good ways. But then, even as I was working on this talk, I was trying to think about like, you know, you have stages in life, like what I was talking about, that come, and they're out ahead of you, but they don't live up to all the hype, you know? Like, I swear, when I was 20, I was gonna work really hard, and I was gonna get somewhere, and when I got there, it didn't feel like it was everything it was supposed to be. I feel like a lot of times the carrots on the end of the stick, all they do is overpromise and underdeliver, right? Like you get there and it's like, wait a second. But I thought, and so that has me on this like interesting quest to be like, well, contentment. I said you have permission to be content. Apparently, my contentment isn't based on any of those carrots because it really hasn't impacted it the way I thought it would when it overpromises and it under delivers. Incredibly so in some ways, you know? Today, middle school and high school went back to school. Ugh. And I was thinking about all those poor students going back into the mix, right? And like being around one another and all the things that they feel. My Nephew Tanner is starting college today, and he's super nervous about it. Super nervous. Hey, if the name Tanner pops up for you in the next week, just say a quick prayer for the dude, because like he's beyond himself nervous. He got dropped off today. Where's he going? Um, somewhere in Illinois. I honestly don't even know the school. But I do know that I texted him. <laughs> and he sent me back a text and he was like, anything you can send my way, do it. Because it's, it's tough, it's rough. Now, when I was in middle school, it's amazing to me that my need for belonging and my need for connection translated into stuff. Like, stuff had nothing to do with really, in my opinion, now looking back, connection or belonging, or even I would go so far as to say this, if you want to take two other words and say what our need and desire is underneath it all, it's the need to be known and the need to know others. To know and be known, both of those things. Now, I remember Guess jeans being a very big deal when I was in middle school. The brand Guess. And if you had it on, somehow you belonged more than if you didn't have it on. And so I went to the thrift store and I bought a pair of women's guest jeans and I cut the tag out because it was on the butt of your jean, right? It was right here. And I cut it out and I sewed it on to another pair of jeans, right? This is me being clever and this is me reacting to that need to desire, that need and desire to belong and be a part of something, right? And feel like I'm connected. Little did I know that uh, <laughs> guest jeans for men and women were different. And it was like a triangle on women's jeans and it was like a different shape on men's. Yeah, wasn't paying attention. Got really made fun of for that one. But interestingly enough, that 100% continues into adulthood. 
5%. And what's interesting to me right now is I find myself preferring, preferring, I would say stuff that overpromises and underdelivers. I prefer it like in this sense. None of that stuff has the demands of relationships. None of it. And I think that's why it's so attractive and why we honestly gravitate toward it more. I think we've found ourselves in a place, and it's nothing new really, but I think it's a little bit more prevalent but I think we found ourselves in a place where we honestly expect more from our stuff and less from each other. Because underneath it all, if we really have this need and desire to connect, to belong, to know and be known, we're only going to find it in relationships. That's where that's going to come from. But relationships can be messy and they can be hard. And let's just also admit that the whole idea that I need to belong and I need to connect, that's a pretty vulnerable thing to admit. And none of us feel that solid about vulnerability. <laughs> it's pretty risky. And so we find ourselves in a place where, hey, if there's these other things and if there's all this stuff that is promising me that it can meet that need and it can meet that vulnerability in my life, sign me up and wait. Oh, and it doesn't have the messiness or the demands of a relationship or friendship? Even better. I remember being in college and there was a show called Friends and there was also Seinfeld. Both, I love them both. But it was so interesting to me how you could overhear two people talking and you would think they're talking about someone they know. And lo and behold, it was just a character from one of the shows, right? These shows possess the ability to like kind of deliver on what you're looking for, but not really. I was talking with someone this week and um, she was a photographer at one of the weddings I did. And she's on the front range and she had just read some statistics about people and the last thing they do before they go to bed, right? So they did this huge poll and they were checking it in. What? Does it check their phones? Check their phones, yeah. And it's kind of like what you fall asleep with, you know? And it's also kind of interesting that that's the last thing people are doing now before they go to bed. But right hand in hand with carrots is this idea of comparison. You, you almost can't separate the two anymore. The carrots on the end of the stick in comparing your life with other people and the stuff that you have and the things that you do, it's almost like one and the same. And social media is getting a bad rap because there's a lot of comparison that happens in your brain and you don't even know it's happening, but it is. And it impacts you and it has an effect. It's just the way it goes. And so social media is like kind of in there. Netflix is a huge one. And I just read a thing about Netflix today that's going to kind of make them go down a peg or two. Netflix is going to start commercials. And um, they're already doing it. You just don't know it, right? Like when you go onto Netflix, now there's constantly trailers playing if you've got like enough speed and like the right kind of like hardware. But like you highlight over kind of any show and it just starts playing a trailer. So Netflix is gonna start implementing all of the content that they provide. They're gonna do previews for that stuff during your binge watching now, right? So like it's gonna interrupt it a little bit. But Netflix has this ability to pull you in and make you feel like you're getting something, the connection you want, but it's not there. It's really not there. Because honestly, the mess of relationships, we need that. We need to figure out how to navigate that. We need to figure out how to live in that with one another. I hate arguing with anyone in my family. I'm the guy who runs away from confrontations. That's me, you know? So like if I can find a way around it, I'm looking for it, trust me. 
trust me. But that's a part of the connection, the belonging, the knowing one another. And we need that in our lives. We need it. A while back, I went to Juarez, Mexico, and I was a part of building this school there. And um, my dad happened to be with me, and my dad's like a GC, like he's built things his entire life. And we get to Juarez, Mexico, and we're there. And my dad, being the generous person he is, you know, he's like working so hard down there. And we all traveled across the border on this bus, this rickety, messed up, janky thing, you know? And so we get into Juarez, Mexico, we spend all day kind of building this bus, and then we would travel back across the border at night because we weren't going to sleep, like, in Juarez, Mexico. And so we hop on the bus, bus driver turns the key, cranks it a little bit, and nothing happens, bus isn't starting. We end up being there pretty late, but this guy comes out and he says that he can work on our bus. And he gets down and he works on our bus for about four hours. He's slaving away on this thing and he's doing stuff. And uh, my dad's trying to help him. And afterwards, he got the bus working again. We hopped on the bus, we drove back. It was a late night. And I had a conversation with my dad. And my dad was t talking about how hard this man worked. And he just couldn't believe how hard he worked. And honestly, like my dad, in my opinion, tough worker, hard worker. Like he's up here for me. And then he's talking about this guy and he's elevating this guy above him. And my dad slipped him a $20 bill for working four hours because it's the only cash he had on him. And the guy burst into tears and he started telling my dad stories about like how much he makes and things like that. And we came back the next day, and we got to see this guy, and he brought his family and all this kind of stuff. And um, the guy was so genuinely happy. And I'm not saying for the $20. I'm saying, like, there was something about this guy that, like, glue around him. He, he glowed. Sorry, sorry. He glowed. Sorry. He glue, right? No, he glowed. He glowed. And I'm telling you, like... His contentment and his happiness were not hinged or dependent upon any of the stuff. Because he didn't have any of the stuff, right? That always left a mark on me. And I've always loved traveling and especially taking like students or like people like you guys out of the States and visiting places where we bump into genuine contentment not based on stuff, not based on stuff. Because we're chasing a lot of carrots a lot of the time. And every time we feel like we're there, every time we feel like we get it, it eludes us somehow, that thing we're looking for. The contentment, the connection, the belonging, it's gone. It's almost like it evaporates and we're on the hunt again. And here's what I've noticed right now. The anxiety of our disconnection is taking its toll. I see it a lot, and I see it in my own life. The anxiety that's built around our disconnection and the constant chasing, it depletes us, it's exhausting us, and it's leaving us empty and hungrier than we've ever been before. And we keep constantly turning to the stuff because it's promising and it looks so good. Back when I was in college, I hooked up with these five guys and we started a, uh, like a weekly meeting and we just tried to connect. We all came from different backgrounds. None of us had uh, brothers. That's probably one of the most interesting things about all of us. But none of us ever had brothers. And we started trying to meet on a weekly basis just to connect. And we wanted to see what would happen. Because we like paid attention to this. And um, we started sharing our stories and we started like just having friendships and relationships. And then all of us left college and we went to all these different places. And for many of us, Relationships haven't quite been the same past that point in time. 
And so we constantly call each other and we talk and we connect and we try to get together yearly. And we have these conversations and that's largely where this started for me this year. When I had two of my friends come out for my 40th and we had some talks just about relationally speaking in our lives right now, what's going on? And pretty much we all said not much. Hmm. Not much is happening. And so then you start asking like, what do you spend your time on? I think roughly, I think we've got like 86,400 seconds a day or something like that. Like, do the math quick, I don't know. I'm not a math guy, but it's somewhere around there. And like, you've got that many seconds a day and you can spend those seconds comparing yourself. You can spend those seconds chasing something that you'll never, never get to. Or you could choose to pour some of those seconds into some relationships, some human interaction, some human connection. I'm going to suggest you dump them into that because relationships, they will deliver. Yeah, it might be messy. It might be risky. It might hurt too, but they will deliver and they do tap right into that human basic need for connection and belonging to know and be known. Otherwise, you're spent comparing, and let me tell you, there's infinite categories and there's like infinite people you can compare yourself with, and it gets pretty exhausting really quickly. So rather than chasing carrots, here's what I would say. I would encourage you to arrive at connection. To arrive at connection. Because you can choose to do that. You can choose to invest your time and your sacred energy into other people and into really exploring what does it look like for me to honestly feel that belonging and feel that connection in the midst of relationships with other people. Friends, new people. One of my things is I always get hung up on the fact that I had friends, right? Like, I, I, it's like constantly like looking back. I do that all the time. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Some of the best friends of my life, you know? And I love those guys, I love them. They don't live around me. They're not here on a daily basis. And I kind of like wallow in that a little bit. I don't know if you ever find yourself there, but like that's, that's where I tend to go. And then I put on a show <laughs> or something else rather than doing the hard, risky thing of picking up a phone and calling someone who I've never gone out to lunch with before and having that conversation and seeing where it might go. Because I don't really know where it's gonna go. And it will take time. Tate, he's my youngest and he's here somewhere. Is he in the room? He was on the floor. Yeah. Tate? All right, he's out there somewhere. He's not even gonna say anything. He's so shy. He will not go to his friend's houses and knock on the door. I think it's really funny because like that's like what you had to do when I was growing up. It's like, do you want to know if somebody's home? You didn't really call them. You didn't call. You went to their house and you knocked on the door and you said, is Tyler here? And his mom was like, no, or no one answered the door. Or, yeah, you know, and then it all started. That's where it happened. I feel like there's a large, vast majority of us who are just afraid to knock on the door. We're afraid because it admits being vulnerable and a little bit needy. And that's okay, because guess what? That's all of us. That's us. And when we're disconnecting and disconnecting, it is having an effect on us. It really, really is. And then it's all the chasing, ugh. And then it's even more empty. So I encourage you to arrive at connection. Knock on somebody's door. Do it. Try it. Knock on more than one person's door, right? Knock on a few. I would also encourage you, um, arriving at connection, I said you've got like 86,400, am I right? Did you do the math? Uh, yes. Oh. You're right. All right, yes. Okay, I read it somewhere and it's like, boom, it's sticking out. 
Um, one of my favorite stories, and, and I hate that I have to go back a long time, and I tell some stories from college, but there was a time when Ann and I were just beginning to date, and uh, I found her down by the lake, and so I ran down there, and she knew, when I was in college, I was a busy guy, and I've kind of continued that, you know, like, I'll have appointments, and you'll catch me looking at my watch, because I'm still kind of in the Midwest culture where you're on time if you're 15 minutes early, you know, like, that's kind of how you do it, and so I had... I had things to do and I had places to be. And I found her down by the lake and we started up a conversation and we stayed down there for quite a long time. It was like probably like an hour, hour and a half, I don't know. And um what? Yeah, I was looking for her. I was looking for. Her. And it was like after school and I, I had promised my roommate I would be supposed to be going to Decatur for the weekend Yeah, I was supposed to be leaving. Did you know he was looking for you? No. No. Found her, we struck up a conversation, we're down there. It was like a good deal later that she told me that that conversation was very important to her. And you know, here I am thinking, well, of course, you know, like, <laughs> you know, and it was deep and we talked about all these great things or whatever. The reason it was, the reason it was so important to her was she said that during that whole conversation, I never once looked at my watch. Right? I never once looked at my watch. And sometimes, I'm telling you, the stuff of life, the busyness of life, I think we have a preference sometimes, I said this last time, to prefer full schedules to full hearts. And, and we allow busyness to distract us from connection, and we allow stuff to distract us from connection. So arrive at connection. Choose spending those 86,400 seconds wisely. Put them where they'll matter the most and put them towards meeting that desire and that need that you honestly have. It's there. Stop chasing the carrots. I would say arrive at you as well. Arrive at you. Last time I said something about, I said you've got permission granted for you to do you. Honestly, most of the carrots end up putting the focus on other people's lives. <laughs> You're worried about other people's stuff. You're looking at them. And it's like the focus is in the wrong place. Bring the focus back to you. Bring the focus back to writing your story and doing your thing. Otherwise, there's all this resentment that comes. And I've felt that one too. I had some friends recently and they, they took off a long time from work. A long time. Like months, months from work. And immediately, what I was fighting was that, well, it must be nice mentality, right? That it must be nice, you know? Like, like all the focus on them, looking at their life, figuring out what's going on with them, spending this time comparing. Sometimes you just need to narrow the field of focus a little bit. You need to narrow that field, and you do you. Arrive at you. Stop playing that comparison game so, so strongly. I would also say arrive at gratitude. Rather than chasing carrots, arrive at gratitude. This is probably the hardest one for me personally. Because like honestly, I feel like it's pretty cheesy. I'm not gonna lie. I'm so thankful the sun's shining today. You know, like, like it's, it's hard sometimes for me to go to that place of gratitude. I kid you not. But we have so much to be grateful for. You really do. If you'll stop and pay attention. If you'll look. And that whole gratitude thing is like a reflex after a while. It's like a muscle and it gets stronger and it gets easier. And before long, it's just like a reflex. That gratitude kicks in. So arrive at gratitude. Arrive there. Appreciate more, complain less, compare less, and arrive at the whole idea of gratitude. I just spoke with the Breckenridge Elementary staff. They invited me to do like a get us pumped up for the school year, you know, and inspire us kind of a thing. And so I spoke to them, and one of the things I was telling them was, Write it down on your phone, keep a journal, do something. 
Find a way to be grateful during your day. Find a way. You've got to do it. Otherwise, I mean, we get to the dinner table sometimes and Anne asks the question. She goes, tell me one thing that was good about your day. You know, and the boys, three boys, you know, 15, 11, and 9, Nothing, you know. <laughs> it's like the first thing out of their mouth. Or, I can't think of anything, you know. Come back to me later, you know. Or, or it's so funny. They do like, you know, it's like a, it's like a negative positive. You know what I mean? Like, oh. yeah. What's one good thing about your day? That I'm not at school anymore, right. you know, or something like that. It's not really like a positive thing as much as yeah. it could be. But anyway, arrive at gratitude. Arrive at gravi- gratitude. Um, one of the other things I wanted to say was arrive at joy and a full heart. Rather than chasing carrots, arrive at joy. Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. Chasing those carrots, like sometimes I didn't even know the carrots existed. You know what I mean? Like I was doing pretty good on my own. Like I thought I had a really good pair of shoes until I went to school and everybody had Jordans and everybody was like, these are sick. You gotta get some of these, you know? And it's like, what? Ah, and you start looking around at everybody's feet, you know, and you're paying attention. And it like robs you of the joy and contentment that you could just already possess. Like arrive at joy in a full heart and stop chasing the carrots. Stop going after them. That whole comparison thing just never ends. Being infinite categories, infinite people, infinite ways to compare yourself, it is the carrot on the end of the stick. That game never stops. So sometimes you have to choose to tap out. You have to choose to tap out. Get out of it, yeah. I struggle sometimes with joy Yeah. But sometimes I'm just not there. Yeah. Aren't you really happy? I agree. I sofa and I go, you know, I'm really content to have a place in the mountains. And, you know, the sofa's kind of nice and the chairs are, but, you know, I'm really more. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I love that you started today with content because I like, you know. Sometimes, isn't it just like a slight shift? Too, of reframing like what you believe that word means, I, right? Because yeah. we throw a lot of words around right. and there's so much attached to things. Yeah. Like there's so much attached to things. Like I, I, I got into this conversation with this 20 year old and, and he was all about like, he was just so pissed that like people were saying, well, just be happy, be happy. He's like, that's not the goal of life, man, to be, ha-, you know? And like we tried to break down the word happy and like what that was representing for him and what it was representing for other people. It's like breaking down the word success. Ugh, like that's a tough one, right? Like what makes you successful? And where do you rest at I am successful versus like comparing it with other people? So that idea of joy and contentment being almost like one and the same, like in your contentment, that is the joy. Because some people are thinking joy is like, woo, woo, happy, happy, happy. Could I just share a quick story yeah. of an elderly woman that was a friend of my mother's when she was alive, and now she's going through some really difficult late, late years. And mm-hmm. I had to move her again to a memory care. Yeah. So now she's totally in a place where she doesn't have connection or belonging. Yep. And all of her apartment, her daughter-in-law hmm. has smiled. Be happy. It's a choice. <laughs> right. You know what this woman wanted to do? She wanted to sit there and hold my hands and cry. Yeah. She wanted permission to cry. Yeah. So that she could not have to just force herself because she felt out of it. Mm-hmm. And she didn't like that she's any of us. Yeah. And <laughs> so that comment you made 
didn't matter how cute the room was. <laughs> right, right. She didn't disconnect it. She Yeah. I went to a rap concert last week. Um, I took my son to a rap concert. It was probably the least inspiring event I think I've ever been a part of in my life. Um, not because it's rap. I'm okay with rap. Um, I think I was the oldest person there. And I was dumbfounded. It, it, it kind of broke your heart a little bit. Like, I think, I think they, they wanted to be in a room with one another and they wanted to jump around and they wanted to feel a part of something. And it didn't matter what the hell that guy was saying on the stage. Because I didn't like what he was saying. <laughs> like, and, and I talked to Silas afterwards and I was like, man, I hope you become a rapper, you know? Because I think you'll have something better to say, A. But looking in that room, all I could see was the desire to connect and the desire to belong and the desire to be a part of something and to feel like we all matter together somehow. You know, I walked away with that's kind of what that was, like on a lower level. But none of them knew one another better at the end of the night. Right? Like, it, it didn't happen. And so like in all the spheres of your life, like, I mean, I would ask you guys a couple of questions. What's the carrot on the, on the end of the stick right now for you, you know? I mean, there's school, there's sports, there's salaries, there's stuff, like fill in all the blanks. And like, what's the carrot on the end of the stick for you right now that you can honestly say, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm chasing that one pretty hard. Not sure it's gonna deliver. I feel like it's probably overpromising. I feel like it's probably going to underdeliver. And then so what what spheres in your life can you maybe choose to spend some more seconds, some, some, some more minutes, some more time really kind of digging in toward that need and desire that you do have that will hopefully, as you invest time, deliver more and more on that base kind of human need that you've got. Because you're going to have to look at that. You're going to have to do the hard work of like, where is that for me? What does that look like? Because you can choose to be involved in different places. You know, For Anna and myself, for a long time, it was we worked with a lot of students, and we helped foster that and create that. And I know I'm still really trying to figure out a way to provide more connection and more belonging here with this group, right? Like in different ways. And what can that look like for us as we kind of venture toward and trying to experiment a little bit more for some of you? Because some people have expressed that to me. And we want to, you know, recognize that and, and kind of chase that down. But I think, I think there's a lot of stuff out there masquerading, you know, and advertising. One of the funniest things to me is like, most of the best stuff in life and the really good stuff, A, it's like invisible, and B, it's like almost impossible to measure, right? And so all this other stuff is saying, here, measure it, look, like you can know whether or not. And it's like humility, empathy, love, selflessness. Like these are very difficult things to measure, quantitatively speaking. And so a lot of that stuff isn't the easiest to wrap our heads around and say like, oh, I've got it, I feel it, it's there. Like I can show you, it just doesn't happen that way. And so it's gonna take some time and it's gonna take some effort and it's gonna take us rewiring and reframing our brains sometimes and saying, okay, success looks like this when it comes to me and my life. Joy looks like this, contentment looks like this and it's not gonna be that easy to measure. But I promise you, the chase for those things is so much more worth it. So much more worth it to arrive at connection, to arrive at joy, contentment, to arrive at gratitude, to arrive at a full heart, and to try and not get so distracted by these carrots on the end of the stick. Boom. That's my goofy talk for tonight. That's what it was. Um, 
I didn't make you guys laugh as much as I had hoped. But, um, oh, that was your carrot. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, right? Um, I, have, I had a lot of conversations today, and I didn't see them coming. And so my talk was a little bit on the back burner today. <coughs> so I was at a school helping out, and I had some people call me, and um, it was an interesting day. What but was the most interesting conversation that mm, boom. I'm telling you what, like, it's, it's weird when I start working on talks how much everything kind of points to it, but I'm pretty much looking for it anyway. You know, it's kind of that idea when you start looking for stuff, you find it. But um, that whole idea of the anxiety of our disconnection is becoming very apparent in our culture and in our, our daily lives, um, all the way down to the very youngest students, to the very oldest people. It's happening right now. And there's a definite, there's a definite feeling out there. And I talked to a couple of people today and that was very, very apparent. And I was glad that we had the talks, you know, to just kind of talk about this more. But next week, we're going to continue the whole idea of Sexy Carrot just a little bit further. I'll have a little bit of history ready for you. Yeah. We'll dig into that. I'll show Presto quick. And then I also have a song. If you want to go ahead and listen to it ahead of time, you can. It's by One Republic. Um, it's just a pop song, you know, that's out there on the radio. But it's actually called Connection. It's called Connection. Um, there's a video out probably that has the lyrics for you if you're that person. You're like, I can't understand what they're saying. Um, Connection by One Republic. It's a pretty cool song. We'll probably show the video next week, and I'm going to offer a couple of ways to hopefully take it one step further and say, all right, try these things, do these things, because I feel like they're going to help you meet that need, that desire in your life, right? So we'll do that. And I'm going to bring a book next week, too, because we're going to do a book study on a book. It's by Brene Brown. Oh, I love Brene Brown. She's awesome. Um, but I'll bring that book next week, and we'll hang out a little bit and talk. What's you guys, um, I, Braving the Wilderness. Braving the Wilderness. It speaks exactly to this whole idea that we're talking about right now. Vulnerability, human connection, interaction. Yeah. Me? Yeah. Personally? Absolutely. See, she's nudging me. She's one of those people. She's like, Phil, you do a lot of talking. <laughs> you do a lot of I'm talking. For you to like just say something that you're going to do in the next okay. week, so we can ask you a week from now all right. how that went for you. Yeah, yeah. So I would encourage all of you to knock on a door. I did. Um, here's what she's getting toward. I have, I have. Uh, there have been a couple of things like in my life recently, you know, and my oldest son and I, we are paralleling one another very well, right? A lot of like similarities going on there right now. He had a group of friends and that group of friends has kind of dismantled a little bit as it does in high school, right? Like this happens. And so like for him, he's like most boring summer ever. <laughs> That's like what his reply is. And it's simply because he's hanging out with us, right? <laughs> Most boring summer ever points toward us. And the fact that he really wishes his friends would make some other choices. He wishes they would choose things differently, and they're not. So he spends a ton of time with us. And so what do I tell him? There are other people, right? There are other people who don't make those kinds of choices and and they do exist and he says no they don't they're not out there they don't exist and I'm like you just don't know them yet you haven't looked for them yet you haven't tried you haven't applied yourself and then Ann and I turn in for the night and I start thinking about like my little circle of friends that I feel like has dismantled and whether or not I'm applying myself and whether or not I'm doing the hard work. Because you do get to that space, like I said, where you kind of wallow a little bit and you just say, you know what? I had great friends, like, but, it, but it's just not kind of there right now. And so yeah, um, I'll knock on a door this week. I'll knock on two. I'll knock on two. When you just said, uh, I had great friends, but mm -hmm. that's this male, it sounds like your son is feeling. Had great friends, but they're now not making choices that 
he knows in his sure. conscience is the way to go. So now he doesn't have great friends. So it's not as if he's missing great friends. It's yeah. He's disillusioned. Yeah, well, he's removed himself from the group. He's kind of removed himself from the group. He kind of stepped away from the group. And honestly, as adults, it happens for us more based on time and, and ridiculous things like that, right? Like we don't choose to invest in relationships. Um, sometimes we don't know where to start either, I think. Um, and a lot of that's paying attention sometimes to the people who are already in your life, but you're just not giving them time or you're not choosing to invest it there. But they're healthier. Mm -hmm. Sure. But, yeah, I'll knock on a door this week. You guys can ask me next week. Although, I'll knock on two. I've got the two. I've got them in my back pocket. I swear. What? You can't say nobody answered. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the lamest thing, too. Don't send a text, guys. Right? Right? Don't send a text. Don't leave a voicemail. Keep trying, right? You knock a little more, you knock a little harder, you show up. If I really wanted to play with my friend, I ran over to his house like five times a day to where his mom got so sick of me. She was like, oh my God, stop knocking on our door. But put forth the effort, you know? There's something to this human interaction. There's something to it. And it meets some kind of a deep basic need we've got in our lives. We need it more, we need it more. We're choosing it less, we're preferring it less. We're preferring and expecting more of our stuff and expecting less and less from one another. It's a sad formula. It's a sad formula. So go out there, knock on some doors, make it happen. Get some chocolate chip cookies, drink the rest of the decaf coffee. Get out of here, we'll see you next Wednesday for the next Sexy Carrot installment. Sexy Carrot.